Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and thanks for joining us at Luke 21. And we're about to study biblical prophecy, and we're going to start a series in St. Paul's Epistles, the first Thessalonians epistle and the second Thessalonians. And page per page, you'll probably learn more about biblical prophecy from these two short epistles. Uh, together, first and second Thessalonians are only eight chapters, and I've made a list of things that you will learn about biblical prophecy just by studying these two epistles. Number one, it's what you need to know about the rapture. The whole debate about the rapture is a discussion in First Thessalonians. Uh, number two, the question, will believers escape all tribulations? Some people feel that they will, based on First Thessalonians. A lot of people want to know, what happens after a Christian dies? First Thessalonians. Number four, what happens to Christians at the second coming? Well, 1 Thessalonians. Number five, what is the restrainer of the Antichrist? A question that has uh, puzzled some of the best minds in the history of the church. That's 2 Thessalonians. And then what is the worldwide apostasy, the great apostasy? Again, 2 Thessalonians. Number seven, a lot of people want to know about the Antichrist. That's in 2 Thessalonians. And then there's a very big question, and it's a question about connections. Is there any uh, connection between the church and Old Testament Israel? Is the church something distinct and separate from Old Testament Israel? Or are they some way organically connected? And you're going to have profound differences in views of how you understand biblical prophecy just by that simple question. And then finally, is Christ's kingdom a present reality, or is it something strictly future that we're to look forward to? And then that's 10. That's not bad. 10 major questions questions or topics answered in eight chapters of First and Second Thessalonians. But as a bonus, the question, is there a way to dramatically increase the power of gospel proclamation? And I'm not just talking about priests and deacons, certainly includes them, also including Protestant ministers, but also maybe even especially parents and catechists because we're living in a day with the anti-Christian culture increasing in influence, we need to have a power of grace in the gospel even greater. So that's kind of a, a bonus. Is there a way to dramatically increase the power of gospel proclamation? Now, you'll need two things uh, for this study, and three is number three is optional, but it's suggested strongly. First thing, you'll need a good Bible translation. And one of the things I'm going to do is show you some exceedingly important Greek words 
that stand behind an English translation. And I'm not going to pull something fast and loose. I'm going to show you exactly how I found out about these things and what they mean. But in order to do this in a way that doesn't create confusion, we need to be working off the same English translation. Because if there's multiple English translations, and I'm trying to take you back to what St. Paul originally wrote in the Greek New Testament, it'll just be confusing. So I would recommend quite strongly that you get a copy of the Revised Standard Version, the Catholic edition of it, and Ignatius Press publishes a number of great uh, RSVCEs, the Revised Standard Version, Catholic edition. Uh, I have here, this is a small one, a pocket, or I wouldn't say pocket, maybe compact size of the RSVCE, and pardon my cover, but but this little guy has gone with me all around North America. Uh, it's a great size. It has both the Old and the New Testament in it, and it's it's just a great little Bible. And just in case you're like me, when you find out too late that Bibles get worn down when you travel with them, this is just a little travel case. You can put it in here, zip it up, put it in your backpack, and even if it rains on your backpack, your Bible's in good shape. Uh, I'd like to use for actually this series in Luke 21. This is the giant RSVCE. Now, these are the exact same Bibles. It's just different size font and different size um, page. But you can get either one, Ignatius Press. And there's a very nice size Bible, RSVCE, that's kind of in the middle of these two sizes. And I lost my copy. I don't know where it is right now. But you can find that in any place that sells good Catholic books and Bibles. And I don't recommend, there is the New American Bible used by many Catholics. I don't think it's a very strong or accurate translation compared to the RSVCE. And the word order is very often different. And so when I point something out, and you're going to see in the next episode how much of a difference this can make in your understanding of the entire epistle of First Thessalonians just by understanding a single word. So I don't recommend that. Get the RSVCE. Now, I recognize if you're an evangelical listening, and by the way, you're extremely welcome to join us in this. I, I want you to, because our common bond is the Bible. But if you don't want to buy a Catholic Bible, then get yourself a copy of the ESV, the English Standard Version, and that's perhaps the most accurate version that there is right now in the English language. And interesting, they took the RSV and updated it with some of the findings in the Dead Sea Scrolls and such, and then came out with the uh, ESV, English Standard Version. And in case you're interested, there is a Catholic edition of the English Standard Version. It's the ESV-CE, and the St. Augustine Institute sells those, and they're great Bibles. But you need a good Bible translation. And then secondly, I get a working Bible, by the way. We're going to try to really understand, and my goal is so that you can understand the Bible for yourself. And my job is to train you so that you can understand your own Bible and understand biblical prophecy and be able to share it with friends and family. But I, I just highly recommend a gel or dry highlighter. 
because, again, some of these words have incredible importance, and you're going to want to highlight them. But don't use your liquid highlighter. It'll bleed right through the thin pages of a Bible. This is one of my favorites. I think I got this at Walmart. But in any case, uh, get yourself a dry highlighter. And this is another one. I think this has a name on it. It's called the Bible uh, Dry Lighter. (laughs) Okay. And both of these are ways, a dry, to be able to mark up your Bibles. I think you're going to want to do that. And then number three, I would recommend a good audio Bible. And I listen personally to the ESV translation in an audio Bible. But get one without noise. By noise, I mean people trying to jazz up the narration and have crowd background noise and music and drama and this and that. That actually subtracts from what you can gain from the Bible. Anything you need in addition to what you read or listen to in a Bible is provided by the Holy Spirit. And that additional noise is going to crowd out the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to communicate to you. And if you get an audio Bible, just say like while you're making breakfast in the morning or doing something in the shop, you can easily listen to 1 Thessalonians 10 times during the course of a week. And then when we come together, you'll be familiar with what the Bible says. And in my job is to help you understand what it means and apply to your life. Okay. So, First and Second Thessalonians, very exciting books of the Bible, and interesting, they're among the earliest documents we have in the New Testament. We don't know exactly because, you know, the New Testament didn't come with a little copyright, a certain date on it, but as far as St. Paul's epistles, it was either Galatians or First Thessalonians, the first written, and these are early, early documents to brand new Christians in the Roman Empire, and it's so interesting how Paul got the Thessalonica. Thessalonica, geographically, is located in a region that was called Macedonia, and today the region of Macedonia is really known as Northern Greece, okay? You know about Corinth, Greece, Athens, Greece. Well, Macedonia is on the northern part of that, Uh, There's a very famous guy called Alexander the Great that came just a few miles from Thessalonica, was born and raised, and became a world emperor. And the question is, how did St. Paul get to Thessalonica? Well, in Acts chapter 16, it says this. Paul was in a place called Troas, and he was trying to figure out where to go. Where did God want him to go? I'm sure you've been in that situation. And this is what happened. In Acts 16 and verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia was standing, pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia and concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And very interesting. Uh, Paul wasn't planning on going into Macedonia, but he had this vision in the night, and God was directing him. He obviously really wanted him to go to this town, and he did. And because of persecution, he had to leave rather quickly, 
and out of concern for these new converts to the faith, he wrote a back a letter to them, and that's what we have in First Thessalonians. And then from that letter, and particularly parts dealing with biblical prophecy, they had more questions because these were new believers. So Paul then wrote a second letter to them, Second Thessalonians, to answer their questions that were lingering from his first letter. Here's a, uh, a special bonus, not only studying Thessalonians, but I think it's a great place to start because I gave you 10 things that you can learn about biblical prophecy in eight chapters of the Bible and something that you could listen to several times a week on an audio Bible. Uh, you could gain understanding. But, you know, a lot of times um, parents and parishes are really concerned how do we reach so many unreachable teens? And one of the things that forms a person's morals, their reasoning, their understanding of things is called a worldview. It's something that they, it's a filter that through all things. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that in order to have a worldview, that you need to know your origin and your destiny. You need to know where we come from and where we are going. These two things, your beginning and your end, you need to know. And in Luke 21, we're trying to help remove the fog so that parents, their children, young adults can know the end of what's predicted in the Bible. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and thanks so much for listening to Luke 21. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.